Talk, a wet shaving podcast. I'm your host, John, aka Latherhog, and with me as always is my co-host, Gerard. Hey, hello everyone. Glad to be here again. And for our very special guest today, we have from Sterling Soap Company, Mr. Rod Lovin. Hi Rod, how are you doing? Just fine, John. Thanks for having me on. We're so glad that you could be with us today. Pleasure is all mine. The actual first question is talking about family stuff. I don't know if that's the best place to start, Gerard. What, 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 say, what say you? It could, could be. I mean, congratulations are in order, I believe. <laughs> right, Rod? Yes. yes, thank you very much, Gerard. Yeah, uh, I'm actually a uh, first-time father three months ago. Well, three, almost four months. So, What, what, day, was, uh, what day was child born? Boy, girl? Uh, boy, uh, March 30th. Oh, nice. We had our third son on April 1st, so oh, right, right after. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, like so many people had their kids like within that couple of day span. We wanted a girl just because this is, I'm in my 40s now. My wife's in her mid-30s, and we wanted a girl just because Mandy's an awesome homemaker. She's really good at sewing, really amazing at cooking, and just a wonderful woman to begin with. And I wanted her to have a daughter so bad, just what in the cards? And at this point, I'm too old for another. By now, when Lucas is, you know, turns 18, I'll turn 60 not too long afterwards. I just, I'm, I'm, we're done. So it's all boys. That's it. Yeah. No, my, my mom was the same way as uh, three boys. My mom wanted a girl so bad. And after the third boy, three strikes, you're out. She's like, I'm done. I can't do it. So. But yeah, it's it's been interesting, definitely during, you know, all of this to happen. So, um, in in one way, I think it's been good because uh, we haven't had a lot of distractions with a lot of people coming by and things like that. And yeah. we've been fortunate, you know, um, that we've been able to. Um, le- that work has been okay. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. <laughs> the the actual it's funny because I kind of pitched John kind of like to talk about this because the real question is how has this whole coronavirus thing like affected being a third time father and business in general? You know, like for for everything. Well, so when we went up to the hospital. It was only me allowed in with Mandy. She wasn't allowed any visitors. My parents, her parents, no one was allowed to come down. Um, And then our son was born with uh, a heart anomaly, as well as he had an infection in his heart, a hole in his heart, as well as Epstein's anomaly. Um, So he spent the first 10 days of his life in the NICU, and only one of me or my wife uh, was allowed in there at at one time, and it was probably the hardest hardest time of my life by, by far. It was, it was absolutely miserable. I've never, you know, I, I spent three tours in Iraq and I was never as scared as I was when they told me that my son had to be rushed to the NICU and we couldn't see him and they, they couldn't, they couldn't, when we asked if he was going to live, they couldn't even give us an answer to that. Um, 
So, you know, you throw COVID-19 on top of that to where, you know, a day after Mandy's recovered, we're, you know, we have to leave the hospital. So we just, we went to a hotel and it's any time that we could visit, you know, even if it was just to look at him while he slept, we, you know, we went through there. Um, but it, I mean, it would have been a lot nicer had it without the COVID, you know, one of us would have been able to stay at the hospital with him all the time. Uh, but it, it worked out. He's, he's, he's doing very well now. He's progressing just like a normal kid. And other than, you know, the normal stuff that knew that, you know, when you have a, an infant or a newborn, work really hasn't been affected since that, you know, that 10 day period where we are having to just be in the hotel and, and back and forth to the hospital. Um, so it's, you know, Corona has been obviously a, a, a wrecker through the country, but we, we've managed to weather it really, really well so far. And, and, you know, having all our children be healthy and my entire family healthy, the business side of it honestly doesn't matter to me. We we expected when this whole thing started, and we did. We we, we expected to see a pretty significant loss of business as as people were laid off from their jobs, or or they they saw cuts in in income and things like that. And we did. You know, we we went through a period where we were we were cutting hours of our employees. We'd cut them down to thirty five hours a week instead of forty, and we were preparing to cut them down to thirty and possibly lay uh, our part-time workers off. Um, and then we, we kind of caught a lifeline when the county judge called up and asked if we had the capability to make hand sanitizer. Um, so I was like, well, yeah, absolutely. So we started making hand, san we started making hand sanitizer for uh, the county. We, we donated to the county and the city for their first responders. Uh, police, firemen, and other, you know, first responder personnel so that they'd have everything. Um, and then once we had them taken care of, we put it for sale on our website. And instead of having to lay people off, we ended up making a couple more hires because we had so many people, you know, lined up to buy our hand sanitizer that we couldn't keep up with orders. Um, so, I mean, it, it was, honestly, it, it went from a pretty scary situation to just a, a real blessing for us. You know, I hate to say, use that, that term in, in a situation like this, but um, it, it did throw our business a lifeline and, and we've been able, you know, orders have slowed down since then as, as hand sanitizer has become more readily available um, through, through normal channels. Um, but that little boost kept us going through this entire thing. I wasn't kind of expecting it to to kind of go along the route. I mean, that really, I mean, to say it's a blessing, um, it's okay to say that, I think, you know, given the circumstances and, and whatnot, because where so many people, you know, are, are unemployed or and you see businesses closing down and stuff like that, or just, you know, trying to, you know, um, thin out any, any margins. I mean, you're right. It's just a... Blessing is probably the perfect word to de to describe, uh, you know, what happened to you. Because I can't even, I don't know if any other uh, people in, in wet shaving can even say the same thing. Uh, I've, I haven't had a chance to reach out to a lot of 
I mean, I, I do have friends in the in the wet shaving world. I've met a lot of guys. We 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 try to go to meetups once or twice a year. We we try to make the maggers meet up. So I've gotten pretty to be pretty good friends with a handful of the the folks in the wet shaving market. Which you know, the people that have been around it for a long time are for the most part they're all really good guys, and we we get along. And uh, when we have situations like that, but I, I haven't reached out to them. But I'm I'm hoping that right now is you know, the economy seems to be hanging on a little bit that they're, they're all surviving. And, and if not, you know, thriving. Um, but like I said, for, for us and for our part, we, um, I mean, you're right. I guess there's nothing we can call it except a blessing. It, it was, it worked out really well for us. There have been just so many releases as of late. You know, John and I were like talking on the side. It seems like no one has particularly slowed down and people are still selling out, you know, relatively quickly of certain releases and whatnot. And so um, I think the hobby in itself, you know, has, has not slowed down amidst uh, this whole pandemic. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I said I. I we've been so busy with getting, you know, with not only with Lucas and, and, you know, adjusting to life, having a, uh, another child here, which we weren't expecting, but also, it, you know, we're, we're in the midst of re- restoring a building right now to, to set up the coffee roastery. So my free time, I used to spend a lot of time on, you know, wet shaving forums or, or on Wicked Edge, or on the, the Wet Shaving subreddit, just, you know, flipping through, seeing what the trends are, seeing what everybody's up to, and and checking how things are doing, and just, when I have a free moment now, I'm trying to, you know, squeeze in as much time with, with Mandy and the boys as I can, and I'm, I'm hoping, you know, here in about three weeks, once the coffee roaster's finally installed, that we can breathe easily for a minute, and maybe I can sit down and just you know, kind of catch up on what everybody is doing. Now it's probably better for your mental health <laughs> that you're uh, just focusing on, on the, on what needs to be, you know, on the family and everything like that. So it's probably better for you in the long run. Did any of those plans, I guess, kind of on the periphery of, of the soap company, um, how, were those stalled or how were those affected by, by, by the outbreak? So they were stalled to begin with because we live in rural Arkansas and there's, which has its own challenges. You know, it, it, it does provide us a benefit over, you know, say, say Barrister and Man, you know, coming out of, you know, Cooperstown, New York, and, you know, and he he's also spends time in Boston. He, you know, he's, Will comes in, and he's got going to have overhead that I don't have because he's in an area where it costs more to do business. Um, you know, for example, the, the buildings that we bought for the coffee roastery, um, it's just under 10,000 square feet and we paid 50 grand for it, which is unreal. I, yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, you'll win that 50 grand. They're, they're 93 year old buildings and they needed a lot of restoration work. Um, but they're on the National Historic Register and we're happy to be restoring a piece of history and, and bringing them back. But, you know, but that said, when it's done, I, I still own the buildings outright for 
a fraction of what it would cost if I was doing the same business in Los Angeles or New York or, or anywhere else. So, you know, we've got that built in. You know, the, the coffee roastery is right across the street from the buildings that we restored to put Sterling Soap Company in. So, you know, we're slowly restoring what, what's a pretty dilapidated downtown here in, in, in rural Arkansas. So we the, the initial problems we had was finding contractors to do the work. We had hoped to be have the roaster installed and be roasting before Christmas or shortly thereafter. Um, but we ran into all types of issues finding people to do the work, you know, including stuff as, as absolutely silly as, I'm sorry, I don't take jobs during deer season. And then when they called me at March and said, hey, do you still need work? No, not from you. I don't. Thanks. You can. But, you know, we, we've got we've, we were able to find a, a really good crew. I've, I've got an awesome, you know, crew that is, is helping us with the restoration. Now we, we've got the HVAC going in um, tomorrow is insulation. And then the last thing will be August 3rd to 5th. We'll have the floors done. Um, the roaster is already there. It was delivered two weeks ago. So sometime around August 6th or 7th, we plan on getting the roaster finally into the, the actual building uh, and installing it. And then, you know, a week or so from there, we'll, we'll start doing our test roast on the machine. Because I've never used a machine this big, um, nor is Mandy. The, the biggest we've ever used is a, a six kilogram, which is, you know, that's a, it's an artisan batch. And the one we're using right now will roast 20 K is about 45 pounds of beans at a time. So it's, you know, we're going to, we're going to be sending out a lot of free coffee to people before we actually, you know, we're, we're, we feel comfortable in the machine where we're, we're putting out a premium product and, uh, and ready to move on from there. I'm willing to try executive man flavored coffee. Just to oh let my you God. know. <laughs> I've said, will there be an executive man oh, coffee? Oh, kill me. I, I mean, a, I, I, I'm pineapple not, and birch tar. I'm not, I'm not surprised <laughs> because it's just so silly, but I mean, I can I can only imagine the number of probably emails or messages you get. I'm just like, really? That's hilarious though. You know, it's good though, because it, it makes me feel confident in this venture because, you know, it's, it's a pretty, it's not a huge stretch because I think a lot of people who are willing to leave Barbasol and Gillette and use and go back to wet shaving. I think a lot of them in all likelihood are already drinking a good premium coffee. They're, they're not getting a Folgers crystals. So I'm hoping that the pivot, but the, the fact that we get so many emails, Hey, I'm getting ready for an order. How close are you on the coffee? Do I need to wait? You know, gives me hope that, that we're going to, you know, be successful from the onset in this. Was there always a vision to do a coffee roastery or was this something that was just born out of a, a passion for coffee in general? We actually originally came up with the idea. I want to say five, six years ago. It, was, it may not have been that long. It was around the time Luke, um, Carrie Siebert's son there at Soap Commander, he had started roasting, you know, just at home on a, you know, in, in an oven, just doing oven roasts. And, you know, it, it wasn't bad coffee, but it was like, you know, they've got a really great idea here um, because, you know, it, it's if you're willing to pay for good soap, you're probably going to be willing to pay for good coffee. And I, I love, I live for coffee. I mean, if, 
if you took coffee away from me, I would probably just quit and move up in the mountains. So it, it, it was, like I said, it, it was born out of something that we thought that it was just a natural fit, you know, but also it was something that, that we're both passionate about. And honestly, Mandy's a, Mandy's a better roaster than me. She's got a better nose for it. Um, she chalks it up to the pregnancies and, and everything that comes along with that. But she's, she's fantastic of that with that. And she'll be the lead roaster. And actually she's the head of the company. Um, we're 50, 50 owners of Sterling soap company, but while I'll be employed by the coffee company as well, she's the, she's the sole owner of the company. Well, that's, that's very exciting. Um, quick coffee question for you. Do you have a preferred brewing method? Um, we just use a pour over. Um, we, we've got a, a handful of Abgipa ceramic pour over at, uh, at work. And we've got a couple of ceramic pour overs at home, depending on what size brew we're doing. If I'm doing it for, for myself or uh, a, a carafe for Mandy and I, but that I just, I prefer a pour over that I can, I can know how much, how much beans to grind, how many beans to grind and how much weight I need in there get the water to the temperature that I want it. And it's all controlled. That's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. It, people don't, a lot of people don't realize how much difference there is in, you know, before we really got into this years ago, you know, Mandy thought McCafe, you know, McDonald's coffee was good coffee. And it, it's, not that it's terrible, not that I won't drink it if I'm on the road or even Dunkin' Donuts coffee. It's, it's not bad, but I mean, having, (laughs) having something that you have ground yourself and has been roasted, you know, 72 hours previously, and you've, you've controlled all the variables between how, how many grams of coffee you have in there. And you've got that water temperature at a perfect 203. It makes a huge difference. So, um, I, I'm into food and, and restaurants and, 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 well, when they're actually open, but I, I make the kind of the same case for, um, for steaks, right? Like you might get like your diner steak, your Denny's or Norm's, like, you know, steak and eggs for like 1099. And then eventually you make it to like, you know, a USDI, USDA prime steakhouse, and you get that thing for the first time, and it's like a completely different experience. And you're like, "Oh, these come from the same animal. These were cooked like <laughs> somewhat similarly. Like it's not even like the same thing." And I feel like it's the same thing with coffee. You know, like you, you say that like it's not bad, but it's just not even in the same universe. As oh, absolutely having, not. You know, just like, you know, having something that you um, grind yourself, you brew yourself, whether you're using a, a, um, a pour over, a French press, uh, even a mocha pot or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you can buy a, a two pound tin of coffee for $10 and they're still making a profit on it, you're getting what you pay for. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so I think um, there's probably not like this is what probably one of the best times to have something uh you know like a coffee company because so many people are wanting to experience something you know a little bit more pleasurable at home i think shaving is actually also really like related to that there's like something therapeutic about the process of wet shaving 
there's something therapeutic about the process of brewing your own premium coffee at home. So, you know, it's, it's something for a lifestyle for us because while to start with, just out of necessity, we're going to be working with importers for, to, to bring in our coffee for us. Um, I like to travel though. And I, I want, our eventual goal is we want to set up actual relationships with the actual farmers, um, whether it be, you know, Kenya, Ethiopia, Honduras, Brazil, Colombia, where, wherever it may be, we want to be able to set up individual relationships so that a we we can say that we know that we're we know the people that we're getting our coffee from we can actually say we're ethically sourcing this for one and we're not trusting an importer to say that this is this is happening but we can also say you know we've got we go and we make the take the steps to ensure that the people that are doing the actual you know the bulk of the work that's involved in coffee um, takes place long before I'll get it. And for a lot of those people that are doing it, they're not paid a living wage. And that's something that, you know, if if we're going to be selling a premium coffee, you know, it, it's, I'm happy to leave some, some money on the table on my end, if it means on the front end that they're, they're enjoying a better lifestyle. And so that's what we're trying to set up. I've actually, we've got a couple of soil scientists, um, at the University of Arkansas um, that we're trying to partner with right now, one from Honduras and one from Mexico. They actually just returned from Honduras a, a few months ago with some beans for us. And they, they just did the initial meet with a, a handful of farms. But what we're trying to do is if I can afford to bring them on as consultants, so we would, we would send them you know, around the world to these coffee farms to give them you know, allow them to test the soil, give them best practices, you know, find out what they're lacking and what they can do to actually increase their yield in exchange for them being being, being willing to work with us um, rather than having for us to go through a co-op or an importer. And that way, you know, it, it just hopefully it will allow us to keep the same um, type of pricing model that we have with Sterling where you feel like, or for most people, when they buy from Sterling, they feel like they're getting good value for their money spent. And that's what we want to do with, with Sterling Roastery is be able to provide a premium coffee where you're not paying, you know, $18, $20 for a 12-ounce bag. Not to say that it's not worth it because we, we buy a lot of Onyx coffee, um, which, you know, they're world championship uh, roasters. Their, their, their coffee is just fantastic. But you know, some of the stuff is we, we've paid up to $22, $23 for a, a 12 ounce bag of coffee, but I'm, I'm hoping I can get away with, I don't want to charge that. I, we're, we're hoping to keep it more like Sterling soap to where, you know, we're providing exceptional value for what we're doing. Rod, by any chance, um, speaking of value, uh, there's a hashtag going on this week on the YouTube channels. <laughs> I don't know if you've come across it, value slickness week. So your your soap is seeing like a lot of use on on the YouTube this week. <laughs> that's I, that's that's honestly what we go for. I mean, when we started this, we were extremely underpriced and we weren't making money. But I didn't need to because I was I was I was still in the army. My wife was still you know working full time as a, as an IT uh, specialist. So we we didn't have 
we didn't need sterling soap to be profitable um but even still now that we're this is our full-time job and we've we're running it like a business to make money and we have employees who rely on us we still our pricing model is based on this is what me what rod would feel comfortable paying for something and, and so we could probably raise our prices and uh, 10% and most people probably wouldn't bat an eyelash. Um, but I don't, like I said, I, I don't know that I would feel comfortable paying that much for soap outside of a special occasion. You know, I, you know, I, I own soaps probably from seven or eight different artisans because I, I do like to support other, other soap companies that we come across. And, and also when you go to meetups there, there's people always trading. I've, I've got so much Katie's bubble soap. It's, it's not even funny. He's far and away my favorite vegan soap, and also just just an awesome dude. Um, should should but, we have him? Should we have him on the show? Do you think, Rod? Chris is hilarious. Chris <laughs> is absolutely. I, I love that dude. Um, I was sad that we didn't have Maggers meet up this year because usually he and I get stuck on a table together. Um, <laughs> so it, it ends up being a fun time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me address what Gerard was, was asking about as far as the value, you know, he, he brought up, you know, we were, like I said, when we were still, Manny and I both working full time, it was a hobby and we weren't really making money at it. And even the first year after I got out of the army and, and she uh, started working at it full time as well, I think we made in the first year about $10,000 revenue not profit revenue. And we, we were, um, we were very fortunate that um, I had money saved up for one, but also we, we sold our house in Texas and moved back to Arkansas um, to a house that my mom owned and which we eventually bought from her two years later. But, you know, every year since then, you know, we've worked and we have shown, you know, an increase in revenues and profits. And we've got to the point right now where we'll probably never be more profitable just because of our pricing model. Um, I've ran the numbers every way I can think of. And with what we charge about all I can do as we see revenue increases is I'll bring on new employees. Um, I mean, we, we, I mean we, we might see little bits here and there you know if when, when the coffee that's where i'm hoping we can make some money um that but you know with their stainless steel razors that we'll have coming out later this year i'm hoping that you know those bring in more money um but as far you know it, it, without a an increase in the price of our soaps and aftershaves and especially our bath soaps our bath soaps are are just barely profitable to begin with um without an increase in that, which I'm, I'm just not willing to do right now because I like where we're at as a business. I like that the amount of, uh, you know, 
orders that we have coming in and the amount of people that I see using our products, I'm just not comfortable raising prices. So at that point, we're, we're kind of accepting that this is kind of our ceiling right now for what we can make. And I'm, I'm happy, you know, we, we pay our employees well, we, we give them as much uh, as we can as far as benefits. And, and we, Mandy and I don't really want for anything. We're not, we're not wealthy, but we're not living in poverty. And we, we're not by, by any stretch of the imagination. We have a, we have a really good life. So it's just kind of one of those things. Why, why push it? Um, you know, why try to squeeze an extra quarter out of every jar of soap just so we can see a little more when we're, we're fine, like we are, you know, so we just use what we have, push it back into Sterling soap company, try to develop, you know, new lines like we've done with the deodorant, with the, the new razors and, and push it over into the coffee company and see if we can't grow that way. I think right now we're right around, we're under 250 an ounce for our soap which is pretty cheap um, given the, the majority of the players out there. And, you know, even at three, three fifty, and especially at $4 an ounce, I just, I don't see us as a player in the market. We're just, we're not seen as that type of brand. And I, ha I have no desire to ever really go there. I think a lot of people are even going to become more fans of you that if they're not already just hearing that uh, because uh Especially in the world where you're seeing, uh, you know, four, five, six dollars an ounce, you know, for for soap, uh, in some places, you know, uh, it's it's um, the fact that you guys are just so solid and, and firm in your pricing. It's just so great for the community. I think. Well, I mean, it not not to sound. I'm not. It's. I mean, it's not completely altruistic or or, or out of out of you know, what, 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 what some kind of fiscal value mean? I mean, it, it is, but it's also, it's also because for me, I think it makes Sterling a little more recession proof. Um, I think if, if you see, or if you start to see, you know, six, nine, 12 months down the, the line, some real second and third order effects of a, of a delay, you know, a prolonged shutdown due to COVID-19, and a lot of people are losing their income. They're losing their any type of unemployment benefits, and or, or if they're just asked to take a pay cut to stay on, asking them, like you said, to pay five, six dollars an ounce for soap. A lot of them are going to, you know, some some are just going to say, "To heck with this! I'm going back to Barbasol. I can get that for three, four dollars a can." But, you know, I'm, my hope is that some of them will say, "Well, you know, I can get a refill puck of Sterling." that'll last me four or five months for 10 bucks and I'll be good with that. You know, I'm, I'm not a hobbyist anymore. I'm not buying every new release, but at least I'm still a wet shaver. And, and that's, that's another reason for our pricing model is because I wouldn't pay on, on, you know, regularly $5 an ounce for soap period, but certainly during the recession, I'm not going to. So I'm hoping that, by keeping our prices at this level that, you know, we won't see, we may not see some of the, the extreme highs that some of these companies do when they release a new soap or, or they release a new set that's, you know, limited edition to just a couple hundred. And, you know, people are, no, one, no one's ever going to be reselling Sterling executive man for 50 bucks on eBay. It's not going to happen. Um, but I'm hoping that at, at that same respect, you don't have to worry about people saying, well, I can't afford executive man anymore. Has there any product that you've thought about doing that you're just like, 
not maybe like you know after kind of like envisioning it you're just like maybe not maybe this is not the best product to like launch or something like that well the closest thing we've come to recently honestly would probably be the candles and the essential oils the doTERRA style oils we've had a lot of requests to sell our stuff for diffusers um and we may still eventually do that and we we get requests all the time for candles and three years running now leading up to the the holiday season we've had plans i've still got so many glass jars with lids you know numbering in the hundreds i've got wicks wood wicks you know string wicks whatever you can imagine and we get there and we realize it's just it's just not something that we can put our full effort into so it gets pushed off to the side um we we've We've had missteps in the past where we've pushed things out faster than they should have been. And so we try to avoid it now. And, and until we realize something, A, it's the perfect market, you know, the perfect situation to bring something to market. But also we've got the time and we've put in the time to make sure that what we put in, we're putting out is not a beta. It's something that's a finished product. Um, so that's that's kind of what's pushed those off the, the essential oils honestly would be easy i'm just not sure that the market's there because there's so many places that sell you know vials of essential oils and i'm not sure that you know someone's going to want to come and buy lavender from us or or be willing to buy our gatlinburg blend or something like that so we just we 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 kind of waffle back and forth on that and like so we we eventually may make it happen and eventually the candles will happen but right now the focus is on the coffee and to a lesser extent the stainless steel razors that we've been working on for quite some time now it's just Mandy and I still do all the product development ourselves she and I both have uh, we took on a both took on apprentices a couple of years ago as Sterling started to grow and, and you know we've got two journeyman soap makers that work with us now that do a, a lot of the work for us because there's just not enough time in the day for Mandy and I to make everything anymore, but we still, all the, the product development is done by us um, because we want to make sure that it meets our standards. So, you know, like I said, so right now we're not doing a lot of anything other than preparing for the coffee launch just because we, we want it to be perfect because it's one of those things, you know, the whole uh, coffee snob thing. It, it's a truth. I mean, th there are people where if we sent them bad coffee, they'll never buy from us again. So we want to make sure that whatever we send them is, is going to be something that if they find fault in it, it's just because it's, it's not up to their, it's not, you know, something that there is in their tastes. It's not because we're sending them an inferior product. If you thought that Wicked Edge or wet shaving subreddits, you know, can be uh, quite critical, you should, I mean, I'm sure you've probably gone over and checked out the coffee subreddit because they are. I am subscribed <laughs> to multiple coffee subreddits and I, I almost never post. It's the same with fragrance. I never post in fragrance. Frag heads are the worst. Yes. I, I love them, but yeah. I will say it. They're, they're the absolute worst. Mm -hmm. and, and it's so, you know, I go to places like, you know, base notes and, and the, the, our fragrance subreddits just to learn. 
and but also to to figure out what people are talking about, what what's a trend, what, you know, what can I maybe pick up on that someone in wet shaving hasn't done yet that I, I can take something to a perfumer and say, hey, I need, you know, I, I want to do a facsimile of this scent, you know, find find something that someone's not done yet, but I'm certainly not going to go in there and, and try to you know talk shop with those guys because they'll, I mean, they'll just chase me away with a stick. I can't believe he used Madagascar vanilla and not Tahitian vanilla like like the top places do. <laughs> just so oh cool. yeah, that kind of stuff. It's and you, you get that. You know, I, I've talked to other artisans and they get the same thing. It's like you know, because if you if you're yeah, guy like you, know, we've got a lot of originals, and but we've also got a lot of stuff that are their cologne dupes, and so you you'll you'll all the time you will get people that will say this smells nothing like my bottle of Aventus. And, and you, you, you're as polite as you possibly can. You'll say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't meet your expectations. But at the same time, you know, that, that little devil sitting on the left side of your shoulder is like, hey, man, it didn't cost $200 for your bottle. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm not using this, the same ingredients that the House of Creed is to, to create batch, you know, Echo 1756 or whatever it is. It's, that's the new hotness. I'm, I'm, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're limited. So, Rod, you mentioned the stainless steel razor a few times, and I feel, I feel like there's been just quite a story behind that. So I'm, I'm wondering if you can share with us kind of that journey of, like, the, the, the stainless steel razor. I'm, I'm thinking the point where really it shows kind of the integrity uh, of yourself, of, of the Sterling brand, where you basically had to basically not sell a, a batch of the razors, right? The entire batch. <laughs> pretty embarrassing. I mean, because honestly, it's something that I, I probably should have hopped a flight or, or taken a drive up to Chicago to where this, the machine shop was supposedly located. But yeah, we, we thought we were contracting the work to a USA-based contractor to be using US, you know, US-made steel um, for these razors. And then when we got them in, we noticed that they had customs forms still attached to the boxes. So further investigation that they had outsourced the work to a Chinese company. And then they, they were still charging us U.S. prices for machining. Um, I mean, we, we got it fixed in the end. I mean, it, it was a pretty miserable process. Like I said, it was embarrassing because those razors, you know, should have been out. You know, almost a year ago, they should have been released, and we we ran into so many problems. And then once we got that fixed, and you know, we did, we just had to say, "Hey, guys, I'm really sorry, I, I can't sell these." Um, I still have the razors. Eventually, what I'll probably do is beat them up. You know, get a get a Dremel tool and grind off the the laser etching that says "Made in the USA," um, and, and try to you know see if I can't. If there's a market to sell them as seconds, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that anytime soon because we, we do have the, the real deal being turned in, in Wisconsin right now. Um, and I've actually, I've actually got a, a zoom call with them tomorrow to, to go over the progress for it. Um, it's just one of those things that just, I don't know. We, we, we were so ready because the razors are beautiful and, and they're not for everybody. They're, they're extremely aggressive. And they require a, a, a pretty high level of manual dexterity, but it's just kind of like the soap and the scents that we do. 
it's my favorite razor I've ever used. I love it. I know there will be people that love it. There's also going to be people that hate it. And, and I'll be fine with that because it's not going to be, it's not something that's mass produced. Um, but when it, when it does finally come out, I'm hoping that it's triumphant the, the way I've been picturing it for so long and the way it should have been until that really sick moment where I found the customs forms and realized that I had 300 razors that were all laser engraved to say made in the USA that were actually made in Shenzhen, China. So it's just um, not to take anything away from the, the quality of the razors. Fantastic. But however, th there's, there's actual laws against uh, doing things like that, concealing the origin of, of manufacture. So we can't sell them as is. We've had them in the hand of probably two dozen testers, and for the most part, you know, the, the the feedback has been really good. But I mean, at the same time, I know there's going to be people that buy them that should not buy them, and I, I'm actually going to actively try to caution people against buying them unless they know that they've they've used aggressive razors before and they like them. Because I mean, they're the blade gap on the hyper aggressive plate is it's scary to look at to say the least. So, and, and they're both blade forward. They've got positive blade exposure. So, I mean, you could, you could slice yourself up really good, but if you know what you're doing, you've got a deft hand. I, I don't waste time shaving. Shaving's no longer, uh, it's, it's no longer a, a hobby for me. So I go one pass and I'm out. So that's why I use our hyper-aggressive razor. I, I can go single pass right against the grain and I'm done. And I don't, I don't really, I rarely get a weeper. I never nick myself. And usually my shave feels fantastic until, you know, for two days until I'm ready to shave again. So, I mean, that, that's who we're targeting with these razors is people that know they like aggressiveness and, and efficiency. This is your taste. In a razor, right? Because it's if you want that one pass against the grain, you know what you're doing. It's, it sounds like you wanted that as a official razor for, under the Sterling name. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. When we were working with the uh, the engineer and the machinist to design it, we 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 did the handles for these almost four years ago now. I mean, this has been a project that's been a, been going on for a while. Um, we've gone through multiple head designs until I finally found an engineer um, who didn't try to guide me in what he thought would make the best razor. He actually listened to what I wanted and cut a prototype for me based on the exact uh, specifications and, and qualities in the razor that I gave him. Um, and that's that's where we're at right now. So this razor, both the standard plate and the hyper-aggressive plate, they are razors that are designed for me. It's, like I said, it's, it's my favorite razor. You know, the standard is Mandy's favorite razor. She uses it on her legs and armpits, and it's, it's fantastic for her. Um, but it's, you know, they're razors that we used ourselves as the guinea pigs for. So we know they're not going to be for everyone because not everyone's going to have the same taste that we do. Um, but we do think that there will be a market for people who do like a, a, an extremely aggressive razor, or, or, we, or we hope that's the case. And if not, we won't ever do another batch of them. We'll, we'll move on and try another head. 
we can all breathe a collective sigh of relief once you know once they're all set and kind of debut on, on the website. I'm sure for you, it can, it'd be good to kind of at least see see what the market thinks, right? Because obviously everything till now has been behind the scenes. We've had quite a few people. Like I said, we've had a handful of people that have done done shave videos with them on YouTube. I, I did a shave video myself with the hyper aggressive and, and, and there's, we've done a pass around. There's currently a pass around with one on a, uh, on the damn fine shave forum. Um, and it's, it's received a lot of positive reviews, but it's also received just like I expected received, you know, reviews from people that used it, that, that absolutely hate it and want it to be buried and, and never sold to anyone, which is, you know, it's, it's kind of what I expected. I expected it to be a, a polarizing razor because it's, I said it's not at all going to be for everyone, but for me, I like it, and I, I hope there's enough people that that shave like me that will like it. It's extensive talks with 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 other artisans, and to a T, they will all get emails, you know, or phone calls to the effect of, "Hey, you know, you know, for example, for me, executive." I've seen and I've seen videos in Executive Man. I've I've seen all these posts on it that it's such a great scent. I just I just don't like it. I'm wondering if I've got a bad batch. Well, well no, you mean it just you just don't like it. I mean, it, it, that's just the way of it. You know, at, at this point in the game, you know, your your Kitty's bubbles, your Barrister and Mans, your Declaration gloom, groomings, they don't send out bad product. They they've got you know they've got fail safes in place. You know, like for example, we've got. We have a three-person minimum that smells every batch of product, and we will lather every batch of soap to make sure it, it meets our standards. And we have we keep the sheets. We sign off on them, and that's why we now have batch numbers on every product, so that we can we we keep notes. And as as long as it's right, but you know anything that you're making small batch, there's going to be you know idiosyncrasies. There could, there's going to be slight difference, especially if you're working with essential oils. And you're you're making a new new blend, you know, three months down the line, or especially a year later, you know, cedar wood harvested in 2019 may not smell the same as cedar wood harvested in 2020. There's going to be a, a slight, you know, uh, a minor difference. Um, so that's why we keep the batch numbers, and and that, that's something we took um, from research on base notes, the way House of Creed does their fragrances. Each batch of their fragrances has a code that goes with it. And, you know, you have people on there that they'll swear by batch, whatever of Aventus, and then they'll swear batch this of Aventus smells like cat urine. So, I mean, it's, you know, but we keep notes on our stuff so that we can go out and say, we know that what we put out to you is in the standards of, you know, of what we're trying to produce. And, you know, we'll do the same for the razors. You know, the, the plan is when they're finally in, Every single one of them is going to get inspected by me and Mandy. We'll put a blade in each one and we will, you know, put a micrometer up to each one to make sure that they, they have even blade exposure. They've got the correct uh, blade gap for us. And then they'll, they'll get, you know, the white glove treatment before going out to the customer. The amount of like detail, attention to detail, care, you know, and just the fact that you and Mandy stand behind your product, right? I mean, from inception of, of the razor, again, since we were just talking about it, right? That's like, 
it's like that's your baby. It's, it's another. It's another baby <laughs> for the family. John, honestly, at this at this point, you have to though. Yeah. There, there's so much competition in the wet shaving market now. If you start putting out bad product, you're going to get a name for yourself really quick. And and, and there's been companies that have done that. I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to name any names. But there's been a handful that they've they've got a reputation of you know what you're ordering from them. You're getting a box of chocolates because it. it and we we try to avoid that. Uh, we we, I mean, there's always in any type of artisan thing that there's going to be exceptions to the rule, and I, we're absolutely not perfect. But we take great pains to to reduce the the amount of times that I have to apologize to a customer for something not meeting their expectations. So did you? Uh... Did you drop a reveal? Is the next uh, Sterling scent gonna be cat urine? In fact, <laughs> no, I'm just. <laughs> but we could we could do sea otter urine. Um, <laughs> we've actually we, in 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 our you know my fragrance you know schooling, I've got a lot of kits. I've got a lot of individual fragrance opponents or excuse me components, and one of which is castorium. Mm, um, yes, which it's. It's basically sea otter urine that's been scraped off the rocks in, in a certain place in the ocean, and it smells like it. Um, <laughs> and what, what's the other? We, we've got we've got I've actually got a bit I of real. It's, br- it's briny is the is the <laughs> term used, you know, to describe. Yeah, musky. It's horrendous. Musky. I don't know how anybody uses it in fragrance. I I still to this day can't use it to craft anything personally. Mm. We keep I keep it on hand along with a bottle of real civitone. Oh, uh, which if you don't know what civitone for the for the listeners, if you don't know what civitone is, it's squeezed out of the anal glands of the the civet, and it smells like it. <laughs> so anytime we make a new hire at Sterling Soap, one of the things they have to do is when we're teaching them about the smells, is we make them smell uncut civitone. And un- uncut castorium so that they can, you know, know what a, a rat's behind smells like and what sea otter urine smells like. Yeah. And and understand that there's a lot of things that go into crafting a really nice fragrance. To kind of uh, to help wind things down, I'm just wondering, um, what do you envision for for Sterling or even just for, for yourself and your family? What do you, what do you see in the next, like, four or five years? Right now, it's it's hard to to really. We're crafting multiple five year plans to say the least. But, you know, one where life returns to some semblance of normalcy, but also one where you know normal looks different than we anticipated. Normal may may include a lot a lot of things that that people are, you know, not not particularly happy about having to deal with. Um, but you know, we, basically, what we're trying to do is is just ensure that we're able to keep doing this. I I, I love doing this. I mean, it, working for myself is it's extremely rewarding. You know, I, I'm beholden to Mandy and to my family, and, and we do we do what we can to to take care of our, of our family. But also, you know, we run a really tight group. You know, when it comes to our employees, you know, I'm. Um, Mandy and I are both former interrogators in our previous life. So, I mean, when we, when we bring somebody in for an interview, we grill them um, and we make sure that they're, they're going to fit in with us and they're going to understand that, you know, 
we're going to expect a lot of them, but in return, we're going to do what we can to take care of them and elevate them from where, where they were when they started. And, and there's not a single person that works for us that doesn't have better pay and better benefits than they did at their previous job. And that's, you know, that, that's something that I'm extremely proud of. And, and we're basically anything that we plan for right now is maintaining the viability of Sterling Soap Company, but also ensuring that the people that do rely on, on Mandy and I to continue putting out products and trying to grow our company, you know, they and their families are taken care of. Um, because, you know, Manny, we, it's been, it's been almost five years now since we hired our first employee and we couldn't be this far without them. So we're, you know, we, I, I love our workers. They're, they're fantastic. We've got an awesome team and we, we do what we can to make sure that, that they're taken care of. And, and part of that is, like I said, we, we try to engage with the wet shaving community we try to we try to do what we can to be to be kind. We try to do what we can to give back and, and try to blow people away with our customer service, so that if there if there's a reason that they're not they don't come back for a second order from you know for Sterling Soap, it's just because our product's not a good fit for them. It's not because of something we did. Um, so I mean, it, it, as far as you know, plans outside of that, razors and coffee. And then, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. Razors and coffee. If the coffee sells as, as well as I hope, who, who knows what's next? You know, maybe, I don't know. But either way, we're, we're extremely, we're fortunate, we're blessed, and we're, we couldn't be happier with where we're at. You know, we, we will finish up our ninth year in December. We start year 10 in January. Um, I, I'm honestly, um, I'm... I'm humbled, but I'm also, there's a lot of times I can't, looking back at all the things that we've gone through to get to this point, I can't, I really can't believe where we've ever got this big. It's just, um, I love my life right now. That's all I can say. I'm happy. I'm so happy to hear about the success, about kind of this journey that you've had um, to be, you know, from the point where you made your first batch of soap to, getting self-employed, expanding the operation, and also just being, you know, being part of the community too. Uh, you're, you're, you know, you're still a wet shaver, uh, sharing your preferences and, you know, soon uh, preferences for a razor will be on the market. So um, yeah, I just want to thank you, Rod, for, for your time tonight to share a little bit of um, you know, family update of a business update and we just want to really wish you uh, you know just continued success uh, for the rest of 2020 and beyond thank you very much Sean and, and thanks Gerard as well as I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me because I said you you guys and, and wet tubers and the people that do this kind of stuff you know, they're, they're the people that post their shave of the day photos I know they're doing you guys are doing us a great service you know, we don't reach new customers without you guys. I mean, word of mouth is, is our best friend. So I, I'm in your debt for having us on, on, you know, here to talk tonight. I, I really do appreciate it. And honestly, I can't believe we've already been an hour and a half. This is, it's, it's, it's been fun. I've had a blast.
It's our pleasure to have you on. Uh, like I said, you were my gateway drug to the, to the world of artisan shave soaps, and I have you to thank for the sickness. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's, it's my the sickness is all my own. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like I can't I can't imagine a wet shaving world, the wet shaving world without Sterling. Thank you. you. Know what I mean, and and so. Um, there's just so many there's a few mainstays because there's so many people kind of popping up and just putting out like great products john and i talk about how like it's crazy because i mean it's not like anyone that's come up maybe even in the past like two three four years no one's putting out a bad product you know like i think you have to really try hard to put like a lackluster like product out there and you guys are just such a solid foundation for so many people Thank you. I appreciate that. 